Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Art Ocal, here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, as well on the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Don't you just love Greg Wyshynski when you have a whole show laid out, segment by segment, <laughs> you prep, you plot, and then all of a sudden, minutes before you're about to press record, you got to take that rundown, crumple it up, and throw it in the garbage. I, I I love the fact that there's news every day in this league. Never a dull moment at all, sometimes horrifically so. Uh, and it happened again today where, you know, I, I go to this press conference at MetLife Stadium. I'm thinking you and I are going to talk about the stadium series or all of these things that were said there. Kevin Weeks making jokes about New Jersey property taxes in front of the New Jersey governor. That happened. Uh, <laughs> but instead, the Ottawa Senators have to go and mutually part ways. Okay, whatever. With their GM, Pierre Dorian, after an NHL investigation uh, found that the Senators were negligent enough in a big trade snafu to forfeit a first-round pick uh, uh within the next three years nutty nuttiness pure nuttiness in the nhl chaos in fact so let's break down exactly what went down with the senators mm -hmm. uh so this was back a in july 2021 uh this was evgeny dodonov from the senators to the vegas golden knights and then there was an invalidated trade at the trade deadline. I remember we talked about this on the trade deadline show. Dodonov right. was going to be traded to the Anaheim Ducks. But then there was conversations about a no trade list, what teams were and weren't on this list. And then further to that, who received this no trade list or no movement list? So right. can you fill us in on... How did we get to this information to the Senators now losing a first round pick in either 2024, 25 or 26? OK, so the Senators, when they signed uh, Dodonov initially, gave him a 10 team no trade clause. He gets traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. OK, and uh, when that trade was made, uh, it turns out that the no trade clause was not mentioned to the Vegas Golden Knights by the Ottawa Senators and their GM Pierre Dorian. The Golden Knights then attempted to trade Dodonov and his $5 million cap hit to the Anaheim Ducks in March 2022. You'll remember that trade. They, they were going to take on the contract of Ryan Kessler in the trade. They were trying to save money. They were trying to bring back Alec Martinez and Mark Stone and others from long-term injured reserve. Uh, and then they come to find out that there is a problem in the trade. And they go and talk to the league about it. And the league says, hey, by the way, probably not mentioned to you initially by the senators, but this man has a limited no trade clause and the Anaheim Ducks have been on that list of prohibited teams. So the trade gets nixed. Uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights eventually trade Don off to the Montreal Canadiens in the offseason for the contract of Shea Weber. Uh, and from later, later in 2022, the Senators go to the NHL or the uh, Golden Knights go to the NHL and they say, hey, uh, we're kind of pissed. <laughs> this, is, this was kind of embarrassing for us and we're very frustrated and we would like you to look into it and see if there's any punishment that should befall uh, the Ottawa Senators uh, for this mess. Um, 
And as Michael and Lauer, uh, the owner, new owner of the Senators, said uh, on Wednesday, we were negligent in nature, which set off events that embarrassed the league and pissed off two other NHL clubs, meaning the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. And here we are, a forfeited pick, and now a general manager out of a job, Arda. Yeah, crazy what's happening with the Ottawa Senators organization right now. Uh, let's talk about the Senators' side of it. Obviously, one uh, thing to come out of this as well is that general manager Pierre Dorian uh, officially resigned. That's the official stance um, after uh, these this instance, everything that has happened here. Well, well let's stop, let's stop there. Like, so they came to a mutual agreement that they that he should no longer be the GM, and they they came to that conclusion. After Ann Lauer said he received a 73-page report from the NHL uh, that showed his team was negligent in nature in regards to the Dodonoff trade. So the report clearly showed the senators uh, erred here in not disclosing the trade, uh, no trade clause. And he felt like this was um, an egregious enough faux pas that Dorian and the team should uh, part ways. Um now, <laughs> maybe the NHL did him a solid here, Arda. Uh, you know, Dorian oversaw six seasons without a playoff berth. They're in last mm-hmm. place this season. Uh, you you have to believe that there was at least the cover of justification in this investigation to get rid of the guy. Uh, now, Antlauer said, Hey, I liked the setup that we had with Steve Steos, who's now the GM, the interim GM, as director of hockey operations and Dorian working underneath him. Uh, but now, apparently, it's okay to just maybe have an interim GM for a little bit. A couple of quotes I found really interesting about this. And Michael Andlauer uh, continues to prove himself to be someone that doesn't shy away from spicy takes or 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 what's on his mind, I should say. Uh, when asked about everything and and how he wasn't really advised of this investigation or anything like that, he said, quote, maybe they didn't want to disrupt it to make sure the seller got the best price possible uh, in regards to him. Incredible. Uh, the fact that he would even say that is, is absolutely, I agree with you. Um, the other thing is, I wonder what this means. Like other things that I've seen from former players online is just talking about the general culture, the nature of what, the head office is or just the environment with the Ottawa senators. What does this episode also things like, you know, star players, not necessarily wanting to stay with the senators. Look at Alex to as an example. What does this say about the culture and the Ottawa senators? I don't know. The Debrinket thing is weighed by guys like Brady Kachuk and, and, and Thomas Shabbat, like signing long-term deals to stay there. So, I mean, like there are players that want to stay in Ottawa, but I mean, the bigger issue right now is the direction of the team. I mean, they're in last place. DJ, uh, Coach DJ Smith got a vote of confidence from Ann Lauer today, but who even knows what that'll look like if they continue to struggle and with an interim GM. By the way, the Steve Stairs thing smells uh, a bit like the Kyle Dubas. We will put you in charge to find our new GM. Oh, by the way, it's me. Surprise. I'm the new GM. But they have a history, uh, right? Like and Lauer and Stales have a history together. They do have a history They're together. Very, co- Peter- very comfortable together. Former former GM uh, of the Senators and the Bruins, uh, Peter Chiarelli, is within the organization. Uh, there was some speculation he may end up being the guy. Maybe that's still the case, but it still wouldn't shock me to see uh, Steos take both of these gigs as president of Hockey Ops and uh, GM. But 
again, the biggest thing right now is is trying to like refocus this team. You had the Shane Pinto thing come down, losing him for 41 games due to that sports wagering suspension. Just been a lot of rockiness for this franchise off the blocks, and that's been tough. Uh, along with a bunch of injuries because they they were seen to be a team that was going to emerge from that pack of of Buffalo and Detroit to maybe challenge for a playoff spot. And right now it's the Red Wings that have rocketed ahead of the field and the Senators stumbling out of the gate. The the Andlauer um, non-disclosure by the NHL is very interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I think he's got a gripe. I think you got to maybe tell the guy that's going to spend a ton of money to buy this team. Oh, by the way, you're losing a first round pick potentially as we investigate this thing. I think he's got a point there, but maybe he says that Arda because he's trying to evoke the Ilya Kovalchuk exception. Allow me to explain Hmm. the devils. You'll remember tried to sign Ilya Kovalchuk superstar left wing to a cap circumventing 17 year contract. Uh, even GM Lou Lamarillo said at the time, this is a bad contract. <laughs> I don't like it. But it was the ownership at the time, who I believe at the time was Jeffrey Vanderbeek, that wanted the Devils to sign Kovalchuk to this deal. And the NHL uh, not only uh, did not allow the deal, they hit the Devils with a penalty for trying to circumvent the cap. $3 million in fines, the loss of a third-round draft pick, and they were going to lose a first-rounder at some point in the next four years. The Devils kept deferring and deferring and deferring on that pick until the team was sold to the current owners. Uh, And then what did the NHL do? Well, they said, well, let's see here. There's a new owner in place. And Ilya Kovalchuk, he's in Russia now. He's not even on the team anymore. You know what? Forget that whole first round pick thing. We're we're fine. We're square. You've you've done enough to satisfy the conditions of, of us being mad at you. Uh, so maybe Andlauer is hoping by saying, hey, look, you guys didn't even tell me about this when I bought the team. And by the way, I am the new owner. Oh, by the way, the guy that did all this stuff about not disclosing the uh, the the no trade clause, he's gone too now. So maybe we can revisit this whole losing a first round thing, shall we? So it that's the punishment as it stands. But it's very possible that that may not actually happen. Based we'll on- see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. That's we'll that's see. an interesting theory. I like that theory. I like but, I like it too. As as conspiracy theories go these days, I think that's a pretty <laughs> solid one. Um, uh, and, well, and nothing the, not as toxic or horrible as some of the other ones I've heard lately. But bottom line, Arda, is that yeah. like um, the the senators are a chaotic mess. Yes. Hopefully now we can kind of get them back on track. It's been a, a month from hell for them, basically as a franchise. Uh, and now hopefully now that uh, Dorian's gone and the Pinto thing settled and this other thing is settled uh, for the moment that uh, they can get focused uh, back on the ice and trying to uh, make the playoffs, which would yeah. be a novel concept in Ottawa. And good and good point about the, the players that are committing to this organization and see the positives. Yeah. By the way, to your point about Dorian, uh, since April 10th, 2016, when he was hired, the Senators had the fourth worst record in that span a 0.467 points percentage and they made the playoffs only once yeah. in that time in and, Dorian's and, time. And let's let's pause for a second here on this guy. He you know, he did some good things with limited shall we say limited funds and limited means by the previous ownership. Uh I'll always remember Pierre Dorian for a couple of reasons. One, 
he survived the <laughs> the worm tongue like existence of Pierre Maguire on his staff. Remember when Pierre all of a sudden became part of the organization? We were all like, "This is a guy that's going to subvert Pierre Dorian and take the GM job." That didn't happen. He survived the Maguire insurrection. And the other thing I'll always remember, of course, is the time in which he was asked on Canadian television uh you know the, the, about the state of the franchise and he responded we're a team that was always one of my favorite quotes maybe in nhl history from pierre dorian mm -hmm. i thought you were going to say he survived the ottawa winters which is also a plus if you can do that <laughs> then good on you um speaking of money uh which brings us to news around the nhl adjacent story here michael and lauer who obviously we just talked about him owns the senators has sold his 10% minority interest in the Montreal Canadiens. And this is the valuation, $2.5 billion with a B. It is a record valuation for a standalone NHL team. Wow. That is That's incredible. That is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I will say this about Antlauer, and, and, and much respect to, again to him. Uh, he was very entertaining. He, he had a bit of that... Uh, he had a little bit of the Tom Dundon energy I felt today in his press conference, which I always appreciate. I will say this, though, Arda. This is where I really felt the loss of Ryan Reynolds as an NHL owner. He could have been fantastic <laughs> in this press conference. I mean, whether he's dressed like Deadpool or not, whether he's he's taking the katanas out on a, on a, on a mannequin of Pierre Dorian, I don't care. Just his, his whip-smart, uh, you know, smart guy presence would have been really welcome i think at this press conference and this would have made a heck of an episode on welcome to canada <laughs> that's right exactly um <laughs> get, getting exactly. serious for uh, a moment as we move on to the uh, news and notes around the nhl the nhl and the nhlpa uh are now discussing making neck guards mandatory uh we uh spoke with teddy bluger on the last episode as he remembered his uh teammate adam johnson obviously this generated conversation about the use of neck guards turtleneck something to protect the neck in the national hockey league you talked about how this will be mandatory in the league in england starting in 2024 what more do we know about this yeah i spoke to both gary bettman and marty walsh at the press conference i mentioned uh at metlife stadium uh about the stadium series coming up uh, next year and um both the NHL and the NHLPA have engaged in, in engaged in talks about the potential of making uh, neck guards mandatory and, and other protection from uh, skate blade cuts. Uh, it's a very long process, as Gary Bettman told me. It's reminiscent of when visors were made mandatory in the league. If you remember, then um, you know a, a players were grandfathered in to not wear visors, right. uh, whilst uh, younger players then who come into the league had to wear them. Wouldn't shock me to see the same kind of thing eventually here. But I think the, the two things I learned today were, one, um, Gary Bettman reached out to Marty Walsh after the death of Adam, Adam Johnson and said, hey, you know, we've got to start exploring this. We've got to have a conversation about it. Um, the NHL has been looking at what technologies are available and, and ways to maybe go about mitigating uh, situations like that. It's been an ongoing process in conjunction with the NHLPA. So I asked Bettman if this puts it on the front burner and he just said, hey, it's always been on the burner for us. Uh, the next step is going to be twofold. One, the NHL and the NHLPA are going to have talks about this during NHL All-Star Weekend, which I think we're going to learn a lot more about it. And the other thing too is um, in talking to Danny Briere, the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers who played in this league for like 17 odd seasons, 
I think they're trying to figure out the best way to go about it from a uh, innovation standpoint. You know, there there are net guards available. Um, are there better ways to go about doing it? What is the latest technology that they could incorporate into the current uniform that might uh, keep players safe while also making them feel comfortable? Those are the types of conversations they're going to have to have uh, even before they go to the NHL players and say, what is it you guys want? Do you want this to be mandatory or not? People resist change until it's in place. And then years later, people look back on it and say, why weren't we doing this in the first place? Yeah. In and many instances and could be here too. Yeah. And Briere had a great line about that too, about the idea that like you just said, you know, it, it takes a tragedy to affect change at some point. And, you know, can we get this done before there's another tragedy down the line? I thought that's a very good point. And there's certain amount, a little bit more urgency, I think, in the, the debate now than there was before. Charlie McAvoy gets a four game suspension uh, yeah. for the hit to the head on Oliver Ekman Larson. That happened in the Panthers Bruins game on Monday night. Too much, too little, or just right? Uh, just right, because his previous suspension was for a hit to the head in the playoffs a few years ago. The thing about that suspension I found kind of interesting, you know, they they don't take into account on an official basis the behavior of a player throughout the game. I think the only time I ever saw that done uh, was uh, a few, many, many years ago in a, in a Pittsburgh uh, Philadelphia playoff series where a guy got suspended for basically running around the ice trying to hurt everybody. Yeah. Uh, McAvoy laid out, and, and Paul Maurice, the coach of the Panthers, mentioned this in his press conference, laid out uh, Carter Verhage uh, earlier in the game with a very similar hit. It seemed like he was hitting with a purpose in what was the first meeting between the Bruins and the Panthers since the Panthers upset the Bruins in the playoffs. Uh, this was a, a, a worthy suspension. It was a nasty hit. He definitely picked the head. Um, and, uh, and, uh, four games seems about right, uh, for McAvoy, who, like I said, has, has thrown this type of hit before. Happy trails to Nick Backstrom of the Washington Capitals as he steps away from the NHL quote, given my ongoing injury situation, I decided to take some time and step away from the game. This is a difficult decision, but one that I feel is right for my health at this time. I want to thank my teammates, the organization fans for their unwavering support throughout this process other than the uh very very popular mass mutual commercial with alexander ovechkin how will we remember the career of nick backstrom yeah it was sad news but i think news we expected based on on the way he's been playing um and recovering from that major major surgery uh that he had look when we look back at ovechkin's career as one as the best goal scorer in nhl history in my opinion already even if he doesn't have the record um, Nick Backstrom is going to be a big part of that, you know, as a line mate for sure, as, as a teammate for sure. But you have to also remember that like, while Ovechkin is going up the ice and scoring these goals, someone's got to look, <laughs> take care of the, take care of the farm back in the other zone. And, uh, that to me, along with being one of the better assist men of his generation, uh, is going to be Backstrom's legacy. One of the better two-way centers that we had in the NHL in the last 20 years. Unfortunately, he played in a, uh, a generation with uh, more than a few of them, including obviously Patrice Bergeron, who was hoovering up Selkie trophies at that time. But uh, Backstrom's role with Ovechkin, his role on that Capitals team uh, and, and their run of success that they had uh, should be valued as, as, as one of the better careers that we've had. And, you know, eventually we'll have the Hall of Fame debate for him. Uh, but for now, you know, if this is the end for, for Nicky, uh, just a tremendous, tremendous career and, and certainly 
played a huge role in the uh, legendary goal output of his linemate, Alex Ovechkin. To that point, uh, he has assisted, as of January 2023, he assisted on 276 of Ovechkin's goals directly, primary assist, 136 of them, uh, which leads the pack among those who have assisted on Ovechkin goals, as you might expect. Uh, we have a very fun interview for you right now. Sometimes we like to go outside of the uh, direct hockey world. We love talking with the players. We love talking with people in the front office. But sometimes we just love to talk with notable fans. And we have a really cool story for you. Actually, our guest has a really cool story for you, especially if you are a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Adam Copeland. Very happy to be joined now on ESPN's The Drop by one of the greatest pro wrestlers in history. He keeps writing new chapters in his book, and now a new era for the Rated R Superstar in AEW. You can see him on Dynamite and Collision on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Adam Copeland, great to see you, man. It's been a minute. How are you? I am uh, very, very good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving life. You know, I it's and I almost feel bad saying it, but like I just really, really love my life. <laughs> so, but but like you don't really hear people say that, right? But I, I really do. Like, I got two healthy kids. The Leafs are having a great season. Devils are having a great season. Uh, new job. I'm 50 today. I mean, come on. What's there you actually, go. That's it. That's it. That's a funny thing to think about. A lot of people like pro wrestling or not, not a lot of people start a new job at 50, right? <laughs> right. Or join a new company at 50 after being for a company their entire, their entire lives. What's that like? It was, it's been really exciting actually. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a cool challenge, I guess. And at this stage of my life, that's really kind of what it still keeps the spark alive is, is the challenge. And um, yeah, at 50, it's hard to find new challenges. And, and I think that was part of kind of the process that WWE and I came to. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what we have left for each other. And I think when you get to that point after 25 years, it becomes like that mutual, huh? Wow. I think we just outgrew each other and that's okay. It, it, it it's just time. And um I looked at the AEW roster and I just thought, man, there is a whole roster of people that I've never stepped foot in the ring with. Um, you know, even going back to Wrestle Dream the night I debuted, I'd never shared a ring with Sting before, which was crazy. Um, you know, we've been friends for years, but we've never actually shared the same space at work. So that 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 was kind of my first inclination of like just exactly what this was going to be like and uh and i've had a blast so far that's great yeah 50 year old didn't have to go to night school didn't have to take an online class didn't have to learn a new skill just go and get a new job yeah. you mentioned your your leafs affinity you mentioned your devil's fandom i'm a devil's fan uh you were always counted among the celebrity devil's fans throughout the years Describe your current fandom. What what does the pie chart look like insofar as Devils affinity, Leafs affinity? Tell me, break it down for me. Um, so I love both teams. Always will. It, it just sucks that they're in the same conference. <laughs> but um, so you know, if if the Devils make it through, it's it's going to be the Devils if Leafs get put out. But if it's the Leafs, I got to go with the Leafs because my earliest memories that i can like truly like my first whoa 
was sitting down with my uncles, my grandpa in the basement on Zina street, watching Landy McDonald <laughs> score on a breakaway. I believe it was the quarterfinals in 78 against the Islanders. You know, those are my first real tangible memories that and like holding a night at the opera, the queen album, or, you know, live at Budokan by cheap trick. Like those are the things that I can remember being just kind of blown away by. So when you have that, when you're raised like that, you, you kind of don't have a choice. Um, but I, I kind of love that. I never had a choice. And then the devils, um, I hopped on the devil's bandwagon when they moved from Colorado because mm. I always loved Chico Resch and Chico looked like my uncle Randy. So there was an extra layer of love for Chico <laughs> there. And then I just loved their jerseys. I thought they had the cool. And I still think, although San Jose's up there too, but uh, I still think they got amazing jerseys. They've always had a great lineage of goaltending too, which uh, I, I love goaltending. I love the goalies. So you go from Sean Burke to, to Marty, you know, and, and um, so it's, it's like a one, it's one, two, but it, I love them both. You know, if, if the devils make it to the finals and Leafs aren't in, I'm going to try and catch some devils games, you know, um, but uh, I, I'm excited with both teams, honestly. The Devils are so young, so fast. And I feel like the Leafs are primed. But, you know, we've said that a few years in a row. So <laughs> You are in a great position as a Leafs and Devils fan. They, they could meet in the playoffs. I actually wonder what wow. you know, would be like a split face kind of situation. Like. It all it's gonna during that series i know i know and i'm gonna get called every name in the book by each (laughs) fandom you know just like traitor you know know, bandwagon i know i know listen listen, they never meet in the playoffs to be honest and speaking speaking as a devil's fan listen listen let me break it down for you you got to see the devils win a few cups right you you've not seen the leafs win a cup i know (laughs) right and And, and you've got a team yeah, you've got some geography there too, right? So, like, as a Devils fan, if you were to throw your lot behind the Leafs in that series, I think we'd understand. Good, good. I appreciate that because it is it every year. It, it's it's a thing, you know. It really is. You know, you 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 understand why the Red Sox fans and the Cubs fans were the way they were. Um, we're now the I think the longest reigning non-championship winning franchise if i'm not mistaken we did um, it <laughs> yay <laughs> i mean i'm i'm a i'm a new york jets fan so like i intrinsically oh, understand man. the plight yeah. of a leafs fan so i get it i get it yeah. you you get a pass for it okay wait, thank I- you Adam, wait, did you say your birthday is today? So you're spending today. your 50 milestone 50th birthday yeah. you're spending it with us What's wow. that say about me? <laughs> you love spending time with your buddies. Wow, amazing! Happy birthday, man! That's amazing. How, how, Thank how, you. How, do, how does fifty feel? I mean, I, I I've often said I'd like to switch bodies with another fifty-year-old just to see. Okay, I'm doing all right. Or <laughs> wow. So that's what you're supposed to feel like. Like I I I, I know all I know is I, I wake up with. Uh, you know, ready to attack the day. And um, I, I think as long as I maintain that mentality, then I'll keep attacking the day. And and I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old that don't really give me much of a choice too. Yeah. And uh, a 
10 month old Husky. So (laughs) (laughs) they keep me moving. (laughs) Amazing. I I do have a a Leafs question for you. So this season, the Maple Leafs are using a custom Maple Leafs championship belt as their locker room trophy, the MVP of the game. Uh, I distinctly remember this championship because you and I did an interview a couple years ago and you had that identical championship belt. So I'm wondering, is there any connection between the championship belt that you had and what the Leafs are using now in their locker room? So that championship that I had is now their championship. Um, we uh, we had a show in Toronto and um, uh, somebody within merch, I think it was Pumpkinhead, <laughs> reached out and said, uh, that Morgan Riley was going to come. He was going to bring his buddy who's a big wrestling fan. So I went, well, here's my opportunity. Cause I wanted to get the championship to them. It was for them, but then the pandemic hit. So man, I, I had them that belt before Boudreaux was using it for the Canucks before anybody was, you know, doing championships. So I finally got it up there and I handed it to Morgan. He was like, Whoa, this is awesome. I was like, well, it's yours. He was like, what? No, I was like, yeah, do what you, what you want. Hang it up on your wall if you want. And then I saw last year they started using it for player of the game. And as a, again, rewind back to that five-year-old kid in the shag carpeting in the basement on Zina Street watching the Leafs, Landon McDonald's big old mustache, fast forward and to, to see those guys, uh, you know, giving it to each other for player of the game. It's, it's pretty surreal. Dude, if there's ever a parade... That belt's on a float. Like that's yeah. that's that's the fact. The fact of the matter is, if there's ever a parade, there's going to be somebody in the Leafs, probably Ryan Reeves, wearing that belt proudly <laughs> on that float. <laughs> well, let's be honest. If there's a parade, Adam Copeland is on a float. Let's. You're be on honest. a float, exactly. That, that well, has to happen. I, w- whether I'm on a float or not, I'm going to be there somewhere. You know, I'll be in the cracks there somewhere, just kind of hiding out. But... In Young Street, there's Adam just celebrating with his fans. <laughs> now, just see my massive forehead there. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about tribalism. Like, as a Leafs fan, you know that, oh. uh, you know, when a, a guy leaves Toronto, he goes signs in Montreal, and the Leafs fans are all like, you're dead to us. You know, we, the, the, the vibes change immediately when you become part of the enemy faction yeah wrestling has never been more tribalism i think in my lifetime as a wrestling fan right now between wwe and AEW. when you made the jump from wwe to AEW, did your relationship with fans change at all have you gotten some weird feedback from people that used to be uh in, in your on your side of the aisle and now you're on the other team like what's it been like since you made the jump Honestly, I don't really pay attention because I don't really use social media a whole lot because of that. Like, because it's just, it just seems to be a cesspool of negativity. And I just don't have time in my life for that. Again, I'm 50 years old with two kids. I don't care what Joe Bob McGillicuddy from Boise, Idaho has to say about, okay, great. Good for you, man. Like, if you're that angry that you have to go on a social media space and you know, yell to the air about something. Well, then that probably says more about you. Right. Um, I don't know. Tribalism's weird to me. I've never really understood it. Like to me, if you're a fan of hockey, you should just enjoy great hockey. You got your team. Sure. But that doesn't mean like I'll watch the Bruins because they're a great hockey team and they play great hockey. 
You know, I, I'm not going to cheer for them, but I'll go, okay, well, this is going to be a good game. Like I remember last year, them in Vegas, I was like, I am watching this one because yeah. this is going to be an amazing game. And it was uh, because I love hockey. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just love pro wrestling. And I think it's a great thing that you can get multiple companies that have a platform, whether it's international, national to, to watch, but also for those of us within the industry, it's an amazing thing to have a, a different place to go to at a, as a 50 year old, have a place to challenge myself and go, wait, I haven't wrestled Claudio. I haven't wrestled, uh, you know, Brian Danielson in a singles match. I've never wrestled Moxley. I've never wrestled Miro. I've never wrestled Swerve. I've never wrestled Hangman Page. I've never wrestled Adam Cole. I've never wrestled MJF. Like that's 10 people right there. Um, that to me is a good thing. And, and I, you know, it'd be kind of like getting mad at Paul Newman because he worked for Paramount and MGM. It's like, well, I'm not going to watch that MGM movie because, uh, you know, I like Paramount better. Like, just stop and think about that for a second. You know, it just a little, little odd to me. It always has been. But yeah. again, it's there with hockey, too. It's there with football, too. It's I. I uh Try not to navigate them too much, but you, you know, whether it's hockey or whether it's wrestling, you definitely navigate some of that tribalism. Shout out to uh, Bob Paul McGillicuddy in Boise. Give us a five star review. <laughs> 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 if he's listening, if Bob is listening, if he, please. If he indeed exists. Yeah, if he indeed exists. <laughs> I- I'm curious, like you when you uh when you were uh making the change, like joining AEW, there was a point in time there where you were publicly saying, you know, this might be it for me. Like I might yeah. retire right off into the sunset. So I'm just curious, like as much as you're willing to share. What does the retirement plan look like? Or are you even thinking about that now based on all the names you just na- mentioned and say, you know what, I would love to wrestle all these people. Like, what does that look like for you? Retirement was definitely, it was it was an option. You know, there was three options. It was, it was WWE, it was retirement. And once I was, you know, free of my contract, it was like, okay, AEW is an option. Um, so I had those three and I sat with it. I really, really did. Um, and had discussions with the family, had discussion with, you know, my friends and, and, um, and it really was lyric, you know, my nine-year-old really just put it to me pretty plainly. Um, she said, are you still having fun? I was like, well, yeah. She goes, where are you going to have the most fun? It's like, well, with uncle Jay, um, you know, Christian cage. Right. So it, it seemed like a no brainer. And then in talking to, you know, Tony and, uh, his excitement levels for it, you know, that, that gets you excited. And, and then we started, like I said, going down the list and just seeing all of those potential matchups and, and the stories we can tell. Um, it got, it got very exciting. I'm also uh, a realist in regard to there's only so long that can last. You know, I, I don't want to be pulling anything down. I still want to try to be propping up. So, uh, you know, I don't know how long that means, but I, I do know it gets tougher every year. So I feel great. And I think as long as I feel great and feel like I can maintain a certain level, then um, that's how long I'll be around. Love it. I got to ask you about one guy on the roster that you mentioned, though. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, 27 yeah. year old phenom. You've been in this business for a long time, man. What's your take? 
on what he brings to the table as a performer. He just seems like one of these guys that like, you know, like in the NHL draft, the, they, you draft him, they join the team the next year, like Bedard. And he looks like he, he, he's been there for three years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what is it about MJF in your opinion that that's, that's made him such a, a, a an impact performer so early? I think it's confidence. I, I think you, you can, you can do so much with confidence um, you can make people believe with confidence. You can make people feel with confidence, uh, whatever feeling it is that you want to pull out of people. Um, and more than anything, I think that to me is the key with him is just, you know, he, he has supreme confidence with a microphone. He looks confident in the ring and confidence translates. It really does. And when you can tell someone is having fun doing what they're doing, whether it's, you know, poking the bear or whether it's, you know, he, he's everybody's scumbag, whatever that is, to me, it starts with confidence. Um, and uh, that that's with any performer. That, it truly is. It's, it's like it's with any sport. You can tell when a goalie's a little rattled at the start of the game. You just can. And then every shot after that, you're like, okay, how's this going? And your, your butthole puckers a little bit. And, you know, but, um, but Max, uh, he's got confidence and that's honestly the first step. And that can take ages for some people. And that can never happen for some people. I, I don't think I fully felt comfortable until about like 2000, five wow. is where I really started wow. feeling my groove, my confidence, my, you know, really come together. And I was like, okay, now I feel like the package is complete. Right. And, and that's when I started main eventing. Yeah. That's you had to be a vampire for a little like, bit. And then eventually had, had to be a vampire. <laughs> had to be, you had to, had to be wrestling's bill and Ted for a while. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Through all the TLC matches. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I, I guess more than anything as a solo performer okay. and, and taking that next kind of leap or to break through that imaginary glass ceiling or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, one last hockey one for me. Um, I think I read somewhere that you've got a history with hockey video games and you're, you're a few years older than I am. I know for a fact that video games were a huge reason why my friends got into hockey, you know, playing Sega and stuff like that. What's your history with hockey video games? Well, it started with Blades of Steel. Hell yeah, it did. Let's so, go. so Blades of Steel was the first one. Um, but then it, it really took off when we got to NHL 94 and 95, Sega Genesis. And was in college. Me and Jay are living together in college. We're living with a couple of other buddies. And uh, we'd have tournaments. We're party animals. So we'd have we, – we'd have – uh, Sega Genesis tournaments, 94, 95, uh, during the weekends, but they got like super intense because, uh, Jay is a horrible winner. He's also a horrible loser. So <laughs> no matter what happens, there's a tantrum coming. And, uh, it, it was, he'd also like, we just do stupid things like, um, our buddy Nick, he'd play as I think like Anaheim and they were super slow. And every time he'd get the puck, he'd just start singing the doors. Do, 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 do. And we're like, what, what are you, what are you doing? And it, just plodding down the ice. And it, but it was so much fun. Like I think back to it and I think, I think Jay and I actually got in a physical altercation once. Yeah. 
oh yeah over top of a little tiny billiards table like swinging at each other because of a game drunken drunken nhl was a real thing man we weren't even drunk well, we okay, late, late, we late, 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 we're just idiots. Late night NHL. <laughs> when I was in college, I played a kid named Brian who used the Sabres, and he mastered the deke move with guys like oh, McGillney. I couldn't McGillney. stop the damn thing. And one night, and I just went just off on him. I just went off on him. Like that's, I'm like, that's all you've got. All you've got is a deke move. And then 20 minutes later, he tried to stab me with a butter knife at him. He came yeah. after me with a butter knife because yeah. I yelled at him for using the deke move. Yeah it's it's legit so jay would take the senators who were horrible but yet he'd still win most of the time and uh i always took the nordique um because i I love sackic so um and and then somebody took the red wings which just wasn't even fair at that stage yeah exactly because come on yeah so So that's my history what what you're saying is if we ever get Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage in AEW, this moment, the NHL 95 battle, uh, will be the impetus. Well, what I will say <laughs> is we finally put it to rest on uh, Up, Up, Down, Down on Xavier Woods' show. Okay. You can, you can go online and watch what happened, and I'll leave it at that. Perfect. As he says with a smile on his face. Uh, Adam, you're the best. Uh, Generous with your time as always. Great to see you. Continued success in AEW. Can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks for joining us here on The Drop, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Our thanks to the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, for joining us. I'm glad I didn't slip up and call him Edge. Yeah, uh, it was it was, it was not tough, allowed. We got there. We got very there. angry, get very angry. If you do that, I was hoping that you would do a little like this interview has me on the edge of my seat or what have you. But uh, we don't want upset. We saw we saw what happened during the Scott Hall, Kevin Nash days in the 90s when they towed the line of trademark infringement. We don't want to get him in trouble at all, do we? Yeah. And Kenny Omega already did that. So. Um, so, but in the spirit of having, uh, the great Adam Copeland on the show, we thought, uh, something that we've done before with star Wars, maybe we bring that to the world of professional wrestling. So we present to you the official, extremely official list from the drop of NHL teams and maybe a couple players as professional wrestlers, Greg Wyshynski Start us off. All right. Who is the L.A. Knight? Yeah. Of the National <laughs> Hockey League. No oomph in that. Just like you just like that was like a passing. Yeah. Well, it's it's just a, it's, it was it's like fleeting. Pavlovian. First of all, I've, I've been a fan of this guy going back to the NWA days. Go do yourself a favor. and You okay. look on, on YouTube for the Shoes of a Champion promo by L.A. Knight and the NWA. Fantastic stuff. Uh, it's the Vegas Golden Knights, of course. We are talking about a, a throwback team uh, that is also brand new <laughs> and super successful and crazy over, I think, L.A. Knight and the Vegas Golden Knights, besides the night-night thing perfectly matched in this this uh this thing we're doing that's a that's a great start actually like night night yeah i mean i i wouldn't be surprised like just how the islanders have the yes 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 Mm -hmm. the golden knights just incorporate the yeah somewhere at some point and again perfect throwback the vegas golden knights they're an attitude era team if i've ever seen one (laughs) cody rhodes is like connor mcdavid 
they are arguably the best in their craft and they have been for a while and sometimes you watch them and you're like yeah this is incredible however much like Cody Rhodes Connor McDavid at some point in his career has to finish the story exactly Gunther it's the Dallas Stars like name name me another team that looks like a champion more than the Dallas Stars. Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson, a goalie in Jake Ottinger who could win the Vezina potentially this year. They look like they're gonna have a belt around their waists, uh, you know, more significant than like the Intercontinental Championship, uh, much like Gunther does, Arda. Great run for Gunther with the Intercontinental Championship. But yeah, if you, if, if you won a world title, you'd be like, yeah. I, I can yeah, see that. Makes sense. I can totally yeah, see totally. that. Yeah. Logan Paul is like Connor Bedard. Uh, they've got hype around them. They really had no, well, maybe more so in Logan Paul's case than in Connor Bedard's case. You're impressed by how comfortable and how great skill wise they look in the top league in the world mm-hmm. so soon, especially yeah. Logan Paul. But that hype train is going to continue until they do great things. And you could see it for both of them. Yeah, and and much like Logan Paul, Conor Bedard, an outsized personality, always talking trash, charismatic <laughs> to the end of the day. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, it's a perfect proxy. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Jade Cargill is someone you're going to get to know. If you've not watched AEW, uh, she has now signed with the WWE. Uh, looks like a million bucks. You see her and you say to yourself, that is definitely someone who is a champion, but has to kind of learn a little bit more about the craft before she can really ascend to the top of the mountain. And that is the New Jersey Devils to a T. I mean, explosive, fun, personality. Looks like they were made to raise the cup, but we got to kind of figure out the defensive end of things, boys. We got to kind of figure it out a little bit more, the nuance of it all, if you will, before you become a champion. It's like one or two pieces away. It's like Jade Cargill just learns a new hold and all of a sudden is a world champion, right? That's right. Sometimes you got to step away and go learn a new hold. Got to learn a new hold. Yeah. The bloodline, a, a faction, all they've known for the last several years is winning championships, gold, everywhere, success. But now you're kind of wondering, yeah, maybe there's championships still out there, but do they need to adjust a little bit at the risk mm. of getting a little stale? Mm. And to me, Greg Wyshynski, that screams the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yes. I like it. Um, and in this case, I guess, I guess uh, you know, Steven Stamkos is the Uso brother who gets kicked out of the bloodline. <laughs> For making too much money. Waiting to, yeah, (laughs) waiting to get back. Hey, what about me? Come on. Come on. Uh, When we were talking with Adam Copeland before, we mentioned Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. If you've not seen him, he is someone born to be a wrestler, a trash talker supreme, one of my favorite performers. I mean, when you have somebody who can talk the talk and walk the walk, Arda, who else? But Matthew Kachuk is the MJF proxy in the National Hockey League. Somebody whose yap is money as his shot is money. I love it. 
the Washington Capitals, really what it's all about right now is chasing history, Hmm. chasing records that maybe, probably once upon a time, you thought were unattainable, that would stay in the record books forever. Just like a certain 16-time world champion. Could that ever have been broken? Could we ever envision some performer to even reach that mark, let alone exceed it? Or how about their own kin? So Charlotte, to me, is the Washington Capitals, for she is chasing her father's championship record and very well could break it. Woo! Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes the capitals play as ugly as her moonsault. Uh, John (laughs) Cena. We love John Cena. I mean, we've loved John Cena for decades. John Cena has been in the championship picture for quite a long time, has won in the past as well, Arda. And just when you think John Cena's done, John Cena comes back during the the actress strike and gives us even more great performances. Just when you count him out, he's back in the picture main eventing. And that friends is the epitome of the Boston Bruins. Forget about the fact that it's both about Massachusetts attitude. We're talking about John Cena, the Boston Bruins, right? When you think you you've seen it all, they come back and reassert themselves into the title picture. And hey, if John Cena breaks the record before Charlotte does, then we'll just attribute that to last the regular season of last sure. year. Absolutely. That'll be that. That'll that's how we'll attribute it there. Uh, and Yarmer Yager is the Undertaker. <laughs> of course, he is. <laughs> because do we need to explain why? We don't have to explain why at all. You know? I hope that when he enters the rink in his games in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. that they do a gong, and it's just, <laughs> and he just rises from. And he just does the Undertaker rise, and he lifts up the uh, the the lights in the arena. I hope it's a spectacle. Yeah, his time with the Calgary Flames was the Biker Taker era. It's like you're like, what? How did that happen? It was weird. It's weird. The Czech Republic badass Yaromir Yager. Yeah, uh, that does it for us. Uh, by the way, if you have any suggestions on uh, NHL teams and players as professional wrestlers tell them to us on social media we'll be more than happy to share because yeah uh, and, and thanks for indulging us in the last segment of the week it's been kind of a heavy week for us so a little yeah. levity can go a long way for all of us i think yeah absolutely and thank you for listening to the show however you consume it whether you find it wherever you get your podcasts or on the nhl and espn youtube we very much appreciate it we'll be back on tuesday with another episode thank you very much thank you Thank you.